Well, one of the best books I've read in a long time is The President's Man, The Memoirs of Nixon's Trusted Aide. And that trusted aide is Dwight Chapin. He began working for President Nixon. At the time, he was former Vice President Nixon. Um, when Dwight Chapin was only, I believe, in college, he was in his, uh, he was like 20 years old, very, very young, uh, stayed with him through thick and thin. And now this book, Dwight Chapin joins us now. Dwight Chapin, how you doing? Many thanks. Terrific, Greg. Uh, it's wonderful to talk to you. You know, Dwight, uh, first of all, your name is familiar for anybody who knows Nixon and has read about him. You've <laughs> been there for so much. But long story short, what is it like when your boss is the president of the United States? I mean, <laughs> you had your office basically right next door to him for a little while. Just do you ever get used to it? You never get used to it if you're smart. Uh, I, it, it's a privilege, uh, a great privilege. And I, I feel blessed that at an early age in my life, I was given that opportunity. Of course, you you have to perform. You have to you have to uh, make certain that you're you know bringing in your A game every day in a, in order in order to keep your slot. How old were you when you first uh, met Nixon? I first met Nixon. I, I was uh, 21 years old. It was in 19. 19- 62, and he was running for governor in California. He had lost to Jack Kennedy in the uh, presidential race of 1960 and went back out to California where he was from. And he was trying to keep his political credentials active. So he was running for governor out there. And of course, he got beat, as you know, so well. So and then but it started a long professional relationship and I believe friendship for you and uh, so many incredible opportunities. Hey, one little story in your book I always wanted to ask you about. I think you're in uh, you're all the presidential party is in Hawaii. You go out to the beach and you take a nap. And what happened next? Oh, that, well, that what was really unusual is. I was out on that beach in Hawaii because of the time change. We had flown in from the East Coast. So I was literally laying on the beach as the sun came over the horizon. So it was very early in the morning. I would say maybe uh, 5.30 or 6 in the morning. And uh, I hear these footsteps. And all of a sudden, I hear the president's voice saying, you're out here. Uh, and he was taking a walk with the Secret Service, and I'm I'm laying on the beach. I've opened my eyes and looking straight up and looking right down at me is Richard Nixon. It was it was quite a moment. <laughs> hey, you now speaking of Richard Nixon on the beach, uh, the fake news they gave him a real hard time. I mean, about everything, including uh, when he went for a walk on the beach. And they made fun of him for wearing wingtip shoes or something like that. Was that true? No, it was not. I think it was hush puppies. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I, I think it was a winter day out in, in California. But, you know, I mean, it wasn't uh, a, a normal thing. Most people would go for a beach, a beach walk barefooted, but he had on his hush, hush puppies or something, some, some kind of a shoe. And he, he got holy hell for that. I mean, the media never let up on that. You think I think, though, would you agree it was, you know, because it was Nixon? I mean, 
they would look over just about anything in a Democrat president. I mean, especially Jack Kennedy. I mean, they looked over. They 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 turned away. They gave him a pass for everything. He's uh, I mean, he's basically having relations with uh, teenage girls in the White House pool, and they don't write a word about it. Nixon goes for a walk in shoes, and they they can't stop they can't stop themselves, huh? Right. Well, there there surely uh, was a double standard when it came to the media, and uh, Nixon had to put up with that over over a long uh, part of his career. Uh, part of it, I think, be you know the the media was liberal. Nixon had beat one of the most popular congressmen, Jerry Voorhees. He had been Jerry Voorhees, who Nixon ran against in his first election for Congress. Jerry Voorhees had been voted the best-liked congressman in Washington, D.C., and, and Nixon beat him. Then he beat Helen Cahagan Douglas, who was a very prominent uh, Democrat out for the Senate seat out in California. And then he had put away Alger Hiss, who was a spy that Nixon's committee uh, had found uh, working at the State Department. And and so Nixon kind of gets a reputation with the media early on of being uh, this partisan political operative. And then, of course, he runs for vice president with Eisenhower, and Eisenhower stays above politics. He's not about ready to get into a political fray. And who carries the political water? Nixon. For eight years, he carries that political water. So the media really, you know, pushed him into a, a, a corner and had him there and kept him there his whole career. Well, we're talking about Richard Nixon with his most trusted aide, Dwight Chapin. And here's a little bit of what Richard Nixon sounds like. We have it queued up. I'm not sure when from his presidency, but let's take a listen. Okay. As we look at America, we see cities enveloped in smoke and flame. We hear sirens in the night. We see Americans dying on distant battlefields abroad. We see Americans hating each other fighting each other, killing each other at home. And as we see and hear these things, millions of Americans cry out in anguish. Did we come all this way for this? Did American boys die in Normandy and Korea and in Valley Forge for this? Listen to the answer to those questions. It is another voice. It is a quiet voice in the tumult of the shouting. It is the voice of the great majority of Americans, the forgotten Americans, the non-shouters, the non-demonstrators. They're not racist or sick. They're not guilty of the crime that plagues the land. They are black and they're white. They're native-born and foreign-born. They're young and they're old. They work in America's factories. They run America's businesses. They serve in government. They provide most of the soldiers who died to keep us free. They give drive to the spirit of America. They give lift to the American dream. They give steel to the backbone of America. They're good people. They're wow. decent people. Hey. They work and they save and they pay their taxes. and they. I care. hate to cut off the president, but that speech is 54 years old or so. Do you recognize that, Dwight? Absolutely. I was standing right near him when that happened in Miami at the Republican Convention in 1968 
when he accepted the nomination. It's one of the great, great acceptance speeches of all time. And I am so pleased you played that because it it, it underscores something that I make uh, when I'm talking to an audience and so forth. Nixon was a phenomenal orator. I mean, that speech, which he crafted himself, sitting on the beach out in Montauk, he worked on it for days, and and he is speaking from his heart. Did we come all the way for this, he asks? I mean, these were huge questions. And, and you know, it's that, that segment that you played, Greg, is as applicable today as it was in 1968. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's kind of chilling. And you're right about the delivery. It's chilling. And and for you to play that, for that to have been picked and played today is is phenomenal and good for you. Well, um, I'm going to have to thank Rich, our producer. I said, let's get some sound of Nixon. Good for Rich. Well, we just Googled Nixon. It it just popped up. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of a divine providence when these things happen. I am going to play that tonight on my Newsmax show. It's so applicable. Wow. So you were right there. He wins the election. Oh, and if you don't mind, tell the story about, okay, so Nixon wins. It's a tight election. He beats... uh, Hubert Humphrey. And for a while there, you know, either one could win. But Hubert Humphrey loses. He's the vice president. He loses. And they get together for a special meeting uh, after the election. What happened? Yes, this is a story that's in my book, The President's Man. Uh, Humphrey came down to pay his respects to Nixon, the victor. Just as uh, eight years before, Nixon had gone down to Florida to pay his regards to Jack Kennedy, the victor. Uh, the two men met. Uh, they 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 talked privately. I had taken them up to this uh, room that they were meeting in. I had gone in two or three different times to interrupt the meeting as um, Mr. Nixon had instructed me to do. Uh, he waved me off on the final time that I walked into the room. It was an unbelievable scene. Uh, Richard Nixon was standing there. Humphrey was uh, Hubert Humphrey, senator, vice president of the United States at this point, is kind of sobbing. I mean, he, he was obviously emotionally drained. Uh, Nixon had beat him. Nixon has his arm around Humphrey's shoulder. Humphrey's arm is over Nixon's shoulder. And these two warriors are, are there standing, and Nixon's comforting him. And uh, uh, Humphrey is saying something like, uh, Dick, I'll do anything for you. Let me know what you want to do, what you want me to do. And Nixon's kind of patting. He says, uh, Hubert, you and Muriel, uh, Muriel was his wife's name. You and Muriel, go take a vacation. We'll be in touch as soon as you get back. And, uh, and, and that's the scene that I saw, uh, which had it was such an Americana type moment. I mean, it was the warriors. It was the end of the fight. It was here two two guys uh, kind of saluting one another, and no one else saw that but me. That's amazing, and it's uh, you do such a you're one hell of a writer, uh, Mister Chapin. You can read it in his book, uh, The President's Man: Memoirs of Nixon's Trusted Aide, uh, a real gem of a book and a real contribution for us uh, Nixon buffs. Hey, Dwight Chapin, when you pay for stuff, when you put your credit card down, I bet to this day 
you know, not always, but sometimes that name, Dwight Chapin, are you, how does that, I'm sure it happens less, but it certainly happened. Does it still happen? Uh, not like it, not like it used to, but the book uh, has surfaced a little bit of recognition. Uh, of course, to me, that's, that's not what this thing is all about. What, what it is about for me is having people understand that there's more to Richard Nixon than Watergate in China, that he was an incredible leader. He was a man of vision, had ideas. He got things done. Uh, and that that's the story I want told, not not what happened with me. No, I know. I know. I just it's a little thing because that name still is a. It's a, it's, you're, you're, you're part of history. You know, I, and I wonder about that, like Jared Kushner, everyone's talking about Jared Kushner. Well, you know, one day Jared Kushner's life will not look like it does now. And, uh, it's interesting, but the important things are, uh, are not that the important things are, uh, well, we know what they are and this book is important. So Dwight Chapin, check out his book. I, I did read this cover to cover. Uh, I inhaled it. I loved it. Uh, so many rich details, things that have not been written anywhere else. It's called The President's Man, The Memoirs of Nixon's Trusted Aide. Dwight Chapin, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Greg, and thanks for the podcast. I've gotten great response from the podcast you did. Ah, beautiful. Yes, uh, indeed. I'm going to plug my podcast. It's GregKellyPodcast.com. <laughs> Thank you, Dwight. Terrific. All the best. Um, good stuff. It really meeting Dwight uh, was quite an experience because I had seen his name a million times in various history books. I've read almost every biography there is. I think every biography there is on Richard Nixon and the name Dwight Chapin was all over the place. And then in 2002, I got word that uh, Dwight Chapin, you know, saw something I said on TV and liked it and told somebody and it got back to me. I'm like, that guy knows who I am. It was just an extraordinary moment. It was the first time like somebody, a high-profile person, seemed to know who I was. I just I just thought it was really cool. Anyway, look, where are we? Uh, is it time? It's pretty much time. I'll be right back, and then i got to get ready for the big Newsmax show tonight and the weekend, of course. Be right back.